0: Hello, and welcome to the very first Horseman's University podcast. On this podcast, we're going to talk about everything to do with horses, horsemanship, horse training, equipment, tack, and all of that. So stay tuned for future episodes with other trainers. If there's something you'd like to hear talked about in the podcast, feel free to send us an email or contact us via the website, www.thehorsemansuniversity.com. Today we'll be talking to Tick Maynard, and for those of you who do not know Tick, he is an eventing trainer, a new father, and author of many articles as well as his book *In the Middle Are the Horsemen*. This episode is going to be the first of many TikToks, where Tick will read one of the articles he's written for Off the Track Thoroughbred Magazine, and then we'll discuss it afterwards. Before we get to that, I'd just like to thank Copperline Farm, Pear Tree Ranch, and Rose Horsemanship Center for their support. Without whom, this would not be possible. If you would like to be a sponsor of the podcast, please go to the website, www.thehorsemansuniversity.com, scroll to the bottom, and click Sponsor to get started. And with that, please welcome Tick Maynard in the very first Tick Talk. Tick, thanks for being a part of this.
1: Thanks, Nick. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm pretty excited to be here. I've done quite a few Articles for this magazine is called Off the Track Thoroughbred Magazine, and it's put out by the Retired Racehorse Project. And they're—I uh, mean, I don't know how much people know about them, but they're getting more and more well known. And their their mission statement is to increase the visibility and demand of thoroughbreds that have raced. And they they do two main things. One of them is the Thoroughbred Makeover uh, each fall, and and they host that at the Kentucky Horse Park. And the other thing the Retired Racehorse Project does is they put out this this magazine. And uh, the the magazine we're going to go through today or, or discuss my article is from spring 2016. And uh, it's the first time I contributed to their magazine. And it was right after in the fall of 2015 that I won the freestyle in the thoroughbred makeover with uh, a big chestnut thoroughbred that I have called Remarkable. And uh, I wrote this article for them sort of about David O'Connor and, uh, and, and some groundwork ideas that, that really have influenced my way of thinking a lot. And uh, after that time, they asked me to be a regular columnist. And the magazine comes out four times a year. And so since then, I've contributed to to each uh, each magazine that they've put out. And it's been really fun because the theme that we've kind of gone with is is me learning from different top trainers. And there's ten disciplines mm-hmm. in the Third bird Makeover, so I've tried to go out and learn from somebody in each of those. Disciplines, you know, hunters, mm. jumpers, fox hunting, dressage, freestyle, show jumping. Um, the the most recent one to come out uh, is one that I did with Jake Beerbaum, who who I'm proud to call a friend and also uh, a contributor to the Horseman's University. So, what we're going to hopefully do today is is go back to the very beginning, the very first article, and uh, and go from there.
0: Awesome! Can't wait to can't wait to hear this article. So what is there something about the the thoroughbred breed that you just that you love i mean this is this is you've been doing this for many many years there must be some you know passion behind the breed i mean you've been a part of the the thoroughbred makeover what about the breed do you love
1: well you know i get asked that question a, a lot actually and and honestly i think i like all horses i mean the the thoroughbred is is nice because it you know, one of the passions that I have is is jumping and eventing and uh, and the sport horse world, you know, the the three Olympic disciplines and the thoroughbred is a horse that athletically does quite well in those, you know. I like quarter horses a lot but they would struggle a little bit with jumping the height that you would need to jump. You don't see many quarter horses at, at the Olympics in those. Disciplines. I mean, I'm sure there's been some, but I can't. I can't think of any. Um, whereas you see a lot of thoroughbreds getting to the, the very top of the sport in eventing. It used to be they would get to the top of the sport in dressage and show jumping, but not so much anymore. Mm-hmm.
0: So this. This article that you wrote was from 2016.
1: Yeah, that's right, spring of 2016. So it was it was the just after I'd done the freestyle in, in October 2015 with remarkable, and uh, I had the idea of going back and talking to David O'Connor, who uh, anybody involved with eventing uh, they know him because he won a gold medal in eventing, team gold and individual gold for the United States, and then he went on mm-hmm. to serve as the director of the or the president of USEF, the United States. It's Equestrian Federation, which oversees um, a lot of American dis- disciplines and breeds shows. And then uh, he, after that, he went on to coach the Canadian Olympic team. Um, and then most recently, he was the coach of the American Olympic team. So he's he's seen and done done it all. And one of the things that right. makes him really unique is he does a lot of groundwork with his horses, especially the babies. You know, he starts them all online online. Um, You know, jumping ditches, banks, waters before he uh, ever rides them cross country.
0: that, That must be unique to that that eventing world, you know, notably enough to say it that starting horses on the ground as opposed to, you know, a little bit, tiny little bit of groundwork or lunging and then going right into, you know, going right into the riding portion of it.
1: Yeah, I think in the English world, you know, it depends a little bit on 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 what area you're in, you know, in terms of geography and culture, but I think you know, it's a more traditional format where people, you know, they'll teach the horses to lunge, they'll teach the horses to carry a saddle, maybe go in side reins and then uh and then they'll start being ridden. It's a very different kind of it is groundwork, but it's a very different kind of groundwork that you see these days in uh in what we think of the natural horsemanship world, or the Western world, or you know what's turning into a discipline itself now, the the liberty world, and uh, David was you know on the cutting edge of the forefront of that move in the English world to kind of be able to learn from other other sports. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you spend time learning from him? I did. I did uh,
1: almost 10 years ago now. I think in 2009 or maybe 2010. I was in. Uh, it was the first time I ever came to Ocala, and I I spent. Uh, season with him and Karen and it's actually uh, if you want to learn more about that it's actually part of the part of the book yeah. a couple of chapters on it in the book that came out last year yeah
0: all right so this segment uh, in case you wanted uh, to read any of their, continue to read these it's called training with tick in off the track throwbred magazine and this article is titled it's the look I want um, and we're going to listen to tick read this article and uh, then discuss it afterwards so take it away it's the look I want.
1: You need to make people question what they think control is, says David O'Connor as he waves at the server. The Olympic gold medalist places his order and continues. It's not about jumping bridleless. It's about communicating to the horse, not forcing the horse. So you could jump bridleless if you wanted to, adding, with a shrug, maybe you never want to. We're sitting at the Horse and Hounds restaurant in Ocala, Florida. It's a popular spot among locals and horse people. People usually aren't interested in groundwork in theory, I tell David. They just want to do exercises that relate directly to the competition. Then you have to make it relatable, he says. You need to jump online. He's referring to working with horses from the ground, using a line or a rope, instead of from their back. Take them out cross-country and show them their horses doing banks and waters and skinnies online, he says. It's all about trying that 1st to jumping for this world. This world, to David, is three-day eventing. He is the current United States Equestrian Federation eventing team, chef to keep. How many of your national team athletes are interested, I ask. I know Sinead is, I say, referring to my wife, who has represented the United States in competition. But who else? Most are, he replies, but for them, it's a means to an end. For me, too. What do you mean, I ask? David thinks for a minute while our server places food on various patio tables. He sets a drink in the middle of ours. Tick, David says, Monty Roberts trademarked Join Up, right? Pirelli has the seven games. What I want is The Look, with a capital L. After that, it's just circus tricks to me. I'm not going to teach a horse to get on a pedestal or lie down. I'm not going to stand on a horse. It's The Look I want. I believe him. Horses often look past me or through me, especially if there is something distracting going on. The look is about getting the horse to look at me, to look at me especially when they are upset or confused. I want to be the answer. I want to be the calm in the eye of the storm. I want my horse to say, hey, this guy's a great leader. What are we doing now? Where are we going next? To get that look, with those eyes and those ears on me, sometimes I have to create a storm so that I can help them find their way out of it, out to me, or you, and then to make myself the best place on earth. Even though I might move around, I'm still a place to my horse, a place of comfort, a place of food, a place of safety, a place of fun, a place of play. It's really a practical thing for me, David continues. It's about preparing the horse for competition, especially jumping. I don't make it into an art form. But there are artists out there who take it to another level, either online or at liberty. David can be modest. I've seen him slip a rope halter over a horse's head as they circled each other dangerously. I've watched David patiently, but firmly, ask for the horse's attention. I've seen him ask the horse to work, now, and then wait for just the right moment to relax. The moment when the muscles go a little softer, the tail stills for a stride, and the eye glances in his direction the moment that is so often missed without decades of watching and waiting. I've seen David balance a thoroughbred's need to run with its search for comfort. I've seen him stop at just the perfect time, right when he could do more but instead does less. Reading a horse like that I believe is art, but I don't say anything I'm listening, thinking. I love these opportunities to hear David talk horsemanship because as USEF team coach, he knows more than anyone how important it is. How the higher you climb, the broader your base needs to be. David and I are sitting outside and I look over his shoulder at the parking lot where half the cars are pickups. I think about what he said. Art. Artists. Some riders are good at dressage. Some are good at reining or eventing. Some are just good at reading horses. Each discipline has its own artists. Consider my friend Lynn Szymanski and her leggy bay horse, Donner, pictured throughout this article. These two competed in Aachen in 2015. They were also on the 2011 Pan American and 2014 World Equestrian Games teams for the United States. They have completed five four-star events, including Poe, Burley, and Rolex Kentucky. Donner, who has bested some of the finest horses in the world, is a thoroughbred who started his life on the racetrack. When Lynn talks about Thoroughbreds, it sounds something like this. They will dig deeper than any other horse. Their work ethic is amazing. They are phenomenal horses. But, she will add, they have an active mind, a unique brain. Many of them have different experiences when they grow up on the track. Experiences that you know nothing of. Even Donner, who has traveled the world and been part of the U.S. team, has holes in his confidence. He can be insecure. He can get hyped up. But, she will say with a smile, if you can channel that energy into good, you will have something amazing. I take a sip of my drink. I've known David since 2009, but it's not often we get to chat about one of our shared passions, horsemanship. David, did you see the photos of me and Donner? I ask. Yes, he smiles. I've worked with him, too. Last year we spent a month just in the round pen and riding out in a rope halter, Lynn was even riding him in a rope halter. I'd love to see Lynn ride Donner in a rope halter, I think to myself. What a great thing for a thoroughbred to learn to do. What a great thing for any horse to learn to do. Lynn Szymanski is a fierce competitor. I watched her and Donner at Rolex in 2013. I remember the unrelenting pace, her soft hands, and forward ride. I admired how every jump at the famed head of the lake water complex came to her out of a rhythm. I've tried to copy how she accelerated away from the widest tables. David interrupts my thoughts. With most horses, it's about teaching the people that time out of the ring is as important as time in the ring. That a horse needs to be allowed to be a horse. Yes, I say, although I've often thought that the really great horsemen make their horses more like themselves, thoughtful and focused, and turn themselves into something more like a horse, patient and aware. That was the point of my working with Donna from the ground, to widen his foundation so he could focus more on his job. And because Lynn is also a horseman, she knows that every horse can have a stronger foundation, even a four-star horse, especially a four-star horse. Yet I wonder, is it complicated to allow a horse to be a horse? Finding the balance between training a horse and allowing a horse to be a horse must be a never-ending pursuit. David and I finish our drinks and I pick up the tab. With some people, if I pay attention, I can learn more about horses over a quick drink than I could in an expensive lesson. Yes, David, I say, a horse needs to be allowed to be a horse.
0: That's a great article.
1: Thanks, man, thank you. Yeah, I haven't read that. That's the first time I've read that in, uh, since
0: I wrote it. So, uh, you know, three, three or four years ago now, so that, that's cool. <laughs> Do you ever like like go back to something that you're that you've Written previously and then learn something from yourself again, like oh yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah I do, I do. I mean I I feel like that's what I'm always trying to do is learn from other people and, and I try to take a lot of notes in in things. So yeah, sometimes I will take yeah. a note or I'll write it down on my computer and in, in a notebook or I'll put in an article and I'll go back and i uh, and yeah I'll be a little pleasantly surprised or impressed by something that I put down,
0: <laughs> like wow that was really insightful of me. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of great pictures, uh, too, as a part of this article, uh, you know, you know she's got one of you laying on the back of, uh, I don't. Do you remember which horse this is? Yeah.
1: So the horse in the pictures, you know, there's four or five pictures in this article, and they're all they're all pictures of Donner, which is Lynn Samansky's horse, uh, who, who's okay. been to all these top shows. And I and, and I'll tell you, like, you know, when you, if you have your horse that you're doing groundwork with, um, and they haven't seen a stick or a flag, they can be pretty they can be pretty flighty. So it took a lot of trust on Lynn's part to to put this top horse, you know, in my care to do some groundwork with. Because if something had happened, you know, if the horse turns too fast or gets away from me, you know, it's a it's a very expensive horse with with not only her hopes but you know some of the country's hopes riding on him to do well at these big international competitions so i was i was really i was really uh, impressed that lynn let me work with him it was really nice of her mm-hmm.
0: yeah i suppose for a lot of those horses that kind of level of groundwork and exposure to new ideas is f- kind of a foreign thing like you know they've never seen a flag on the end of a stick or they've never seen you know this thing or that thing? Giant green balls like uh, like what Poe was <laughs> experiencing with Jake. <laughs> with, that last, uh, yeah, with that last yeah yeah, those
1: those big green um, you know the balls that, I think they were popularized by Paparelli but <laughs> mm-hmm. you know a lot of people use them now and uh, I think it's the the very best thing anybody can do with any horse is, is to not wait till the horse is competing or 9 or 10 years old and then you start having problems because then you got to go back like the very best thing you can do and that what we you know in retrospect if you know, Lynn would have done this if she had had the horse before it had gone to the track or when I get a young horse or, or my wife Sinead is you you go through that whole process before you start competing it you don't wait till the till you have problems and then do it you know right. you stay ahead of it
0: yeah yeah exactly and then when they see new things they have that that confidence you know to approach new things it's the same thing with like horses going on trails and you know if you see a new thing it's it's more curi- like you're building that confidence and curiosity rather than you know that first instinct which is like <clears> oh <throat> we got to go. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. There's a, little, uh, there's a couple
1: little, um, I don't know what you call these little bylines or little boxes with words in them in the corners of some of these photos. And one of them here, just for those people that are interested in thoroughbreds, it's, it, it just says, uh, Donner is a 2003 New York bred horse by Gorky Park out of a and Mare. He raced six times as a three-year-old, earning $2,870, but never placed better than fourth. His jockey club name is Smart Gorky. So just a little trivia for the thoroughbred fans or the venting fans out there about Donner's history.
0: (laughs) That's really cool. There were a couple little excerpts that when you were reading them, they kind of jumped out at me. And there were three of them in particular. The first one was the higher you climb, the broader your base needs to be. Yeah. And that was that was like, it's such a simple thing to say, but it's really kind of profound. You know, it's like, it, it's just a very, it's almost like too simply put, like it's the, <laughs> the implications of that are enormous. They, you know what I mean? Are. Like,
1: they are. <laughs> yeah and and it's it's something that like you know rereading this again I haven't read that in in a few years like you said it really makes me think now like if my goals or some of my horses are go to the top you know that's all the more reason to spend the extra time at the beginning right you know yeah. to not hurry anything like why do something you know if why try to get something done in a week and if you can do a better job of it and take a take a month and you know because when the yeah. horse is is yeah. 10 years old and you're going to a big competition that's not the time to be doing it
0: mm-hmm. i kind of like it, it reminded me a little bit of larry yeah and and uh you know with with that lesson that you had that you had taken about introducing jumps in kind of a different way you know kind of like you know, he, yeah. he just, he was processing it in a completely different way. You know, he can jump over, you know, I mean, he could probably jump over anything and then, you know, you introduce it in a very fundamental way where the horse is choosing and you're kind of laying those bricks down at the base again and trying to make it broader and it's just kind of blows the horse's mind at first yeah yeah, interesting reaction. yeah.
1: for those for those of you that don't know what uh, Nick's talking about I, I took Larry uh, a top horse of mine over to David uh, Lickman clinic and you know the horse has gone around an advanced course but we just worked on uh, you know online kind of giving him the choice and making it very easy and trying to set it up uh, we, you know they call it hunt the jump where he could just jump a very small simple barrel and and he really struggled with it for a horse that's done so much just having you know f- for him to feel like he has the choice it was almost overwhelming for him
0: yeah it wasn't it definitely wasn't a struggle with the jump at all it was like the struggle with the concept of choosing to jump over yeah. it where where he when one offered a choice he was you know he was kind of struggling with that a little bit but it was it was kind of a good example of how that base needs to be laid out because if you have this you know skinny little pedestal and a big top heavy thing it can kind of fall over if you if you don't go back and if you don't go back and cover the fundamentals like that The, the second thing was uh that i noted was what your friend was saying that they have an active mind and a unique brain and many of them have different experiences when they grow up on the track and I was kind of thinking about that too, and it applies to so many different horses that have different upbringings, and like you can't, you, you you a lot of times you never know. Like you never know what they went through. You never know what's in there, what memories, like what specific things are, are you know, they tied to. You know, my girlfriend had a, had, there was a, uh, before she was down at the Horse First Farm, uh, there was a horse where she was at before that just, Hate, just could not handle people in sunglasses. Oh my god! And you just you just have no idea like where where did that come from? You know, like what happened with somebody with sunglasses? You know, it just would not have it if somebody had sunglasses on. So nobody could wear sunglasses around this horse. But it's just kind of like they do. They have unique experiences, and you just you just never know exactly what their what their history is, especially with you know off the track thoroughbreds. They can have really Amazing experiences and really not so great experiences.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, there's you never you never know. I mean, the thoroughbreds are are it's so common because. You know, you know all the thoroughbreds have been on the track, and and uh, they do a lot of things differently at the track. You know, for example, they people usually get a leg up. They're not used to mounting blocks. They're usually tacked up in their stalls, so they're not used to cross ties. Uh, they're used to being. You know, there's certain things that you can kind of predict mm-hmm. that they're used to or not used to. But you know, any horse that comes into your into your care, there's always not always, but there's often going to be something weird in their background that's going to show up at some weird time. Just like with the sunglasses, I've never heard that before.
0: Yeah. And sometimes it's like, it's just one, it's a little subtle thing and then it, and then it happens and you're like, you're kind of left there like, what, <laughs> what, to, what was that about? You know, like all I did was, you know, hop on my leg, my, on one leg three times. Yeah. <laughs> and then the horse lost it. Yeah, but they're so, you know, they're so aware they, you know, they can notice stuff like that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, it's amazing how much they do take in, you know? Like they'll they'll be and, and it's it's not even like we kind of perceive things in our immediate surroundings, you know, looking around at the table or, you know, in the studio, or whatever. But you'll be out riding and the horse like might get real alert and, you know, head go up and they're looking at something that's a quarter of a mile away, like a dark figure away out there, wondering, you know, what that is. It wasn't even on your radar. It's one of my favorite things actually is just to watch where horses are looking when they're alert because a lot of times it's like it's way off in the distance like it's not even something that was on your radar but they're worried about something (laughs) the third thing that i was that stuck out to me and and it was really like you focused on it and highlighted at the end was allowing a horse to be a horse yeah yeah and that's that's another it's like a profound simple but profound and not often practiced like that's to allow your horse to like play and do things with them on that level
1: yeah you know I mean? yeah one of the hardest things to do with a horse is to is to play with them is to do stuff and give them the the, the choice i guess is the word about some of the stuff that they want to do um, you know, mainly we, we use I think the, the contrast between comfort and discomfort to train horses but play uh, play and curiosity are such strong motivators for horses that it's so nice if you can do that. I mean the reason probably we don't use that more is that with, a, with somebody that's inexperienced or with a horse that's a green play can be so, um, it can get out of control or be dangerous very quickly but you know to me that's the goal is that you can have a playful feeling with your horse all the time. A great, I, I'm going to have to paraphrase it here, but a really good quote, I, I, I kind of remember from one of Ray Hunt's books, maybe somebody in the, in the audience listening to this can find the actual quote, but it went something like, I want the horse to do my thing his way. Mm, yeah. I want to do my thing his way. You know, like that, you know, we're going to do what I want to do, but he can do it how he wants to do
0: it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and, um, you know, you, you hear it a lot in the, in the videos on the library you're setting the boundaries like you, you just set a boundary and the horse can do what they want but existing in within the boundaries that you set exactly
1: you know? exactly yeah
0: it's not like a forcing the horse to do this or that it's like if you want the horse to move to the left you don't pull it to the left you just say well just don't be to the right <laughs> yeah 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 it's like it's kind of phrasing it more uh, more in the horse's in the horse's language and I think that's what I mean that's what horsemanship natural horsemanship is is all about I totally agree you know. well
1: I think um I mean I, I think there's some there's some cool photos in here I wonder do you think uh, Nick we can take some take some of these photos or some 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 photograph these these four or five pagers here so so if people are listening to this they can go on to uh, Facebook or or social media or your website and and be able to see some of these photos of Donner and me working with him
0: yeah for sure yeah that would be that would be great do you know what Donner is up to now
1: yeah she's still she's still got him and she's still competing with him he's he's getting older now but I think uh, I think uh, 2003 so how old does that make him if it's 2019 now. uh, 16. uh, 16, yeah. So he's 16, yeah. I mean, I think uh, he's got a... He was the alternate. He was the first alternate for the 2016 Olympics, which were in Brazil. And, um... I think he went to the World Equestrian Games, wow. uh, which were, what, last year, 2018. In uh, Those were mm-hmm. in Tryon. He was competing there. And uh, I think he'll have a shot at uh, the Pan American Games this year. I think he probably won't do that. But the Olympics are next year, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's right in the mix uh, with Lynn for the next Olympics in 2020.
0: Wow. That's, that's amazing. That's a long... Uh...
1: Uh, that's a long career, career yeah. yeah, and, it, it, you know, it, it's, hard, it's hard to keep any horse, much less a, a thoroughbred that raced sound for that long, and so that's, you know, that's a big testament to what
0: Lynn's done with him. What's the typical career length for an off-the-track thoroughbred in the eventing world?
1: You know, I'd, I'd say for eventing, I'd say for eventing anyway, I can't speak for, for all the off-the-track thoroughbreds, but, you know, most of those thoroughbreds are going to be peaking between the ages of, of nine and and. 13 14 and then you most of them by the time they get to 15 or 16 they're sort of getting ready to retire but once in a while you'll see horses compete up till they're 18 or 19 and and maybe even very rarely till they're 20 or over 20 but that would be very very rare yeah
0: so he's a he's a real special <laughs> special kind of horse yeah for sure all right well i'm going to put those up on uh on facebook and i'll i'll put them up on the horseman's university uh, website so that uh, people can see that. Um, once again, thank you, Tick, for being a part of this. Really uh, really appreciate it. appreciate you reading this. We're going to uh, do this again soon in another uh, week or two. We haven't figured out kind of the timeline yet, but we're going to do um, many of these Tick Talks where we, uh, Tick will read a, an article that he's written, and then we'll discuss it afterwards. Um, and then we'll also have other people on the on the podcast as well talking about everything horsemanship uh, bits and spurs and all kinds of different stuff um, so be sure to, to keep an eye out for the next podcast um, it'll be available on the horseman's Um again this is brought to you by Copperline farm in citra florida that's where tick uh, that's tick's place uh, he works out of there with his wife Sinead. Uh, also pear tree ranch in citra florida jake bierenbaum uh, works out of there and then rose horsemanship center in brooklyn wisconsin uh, that's uh, the training center where ryan rose is at uh, if you would want to be a sponsor of the podcast go to the website click sponsor to get started and thanks for tuning in look forward to seeing you guys next time
1: thanks uh, thanks very much for having me nick and see you all next time